My wife has started a new thing at our house. Uh, she gets into these kicks, and I can talk about her because she's not here today, so don't tell her I said this. Oh, right, yeah, great. I love you, honey. Um, my wife will watch a documentary, say, about being a vegetarian. So for a week, we're vegetarians. My wife will watch something else or read something, and then it's like, oh, really? Well, we need to change our light bulbs in our house because of blah, 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 blah. So she got on a kick and read a decorating, how to decorate, home decor type of article, right? Pray for me. Because there's more fake flowers and candles that we're not allowed to burn and towels that you're not allowed to use. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Candles are made for burning because they smell good. When you're wet, you dry off with a towel. But now I have other things and other rules that I have in my house that will get me in trouble if I break them. I had enough. But she cares about our home. She cares about where we live. And she wants to make our home cultivated. She wants to build it up. She, she's proud of our home, where we live, where we eat dinner, where we break bread together, where we pray together, where we study together, where the people that we love the most live and abide. She wants that place to be taken care of. And so I started thinking of this idea of, of, of Jesus and how we live in Jesus and how so many of us are, are, are is Jesus Christ our home is, is he our home is he where we live and do we live in that love do we live in that freedom do we live in that joy and that power and that redemption and, and, and in Jesus do we live there or is he our hotel room do we go visit him when we need an escape do, do, is it a place that we go where we throw the towels down on the floor and we don't make the bed because somebody's going to come take care of it when we go down to wherever? And we, and we, we knock stuff over and, and, and we don't take care of it. The back, how is it that you go to a hotel room and every towel that you have is wet within like 10 minutes and they're all on the floor? I don't get it. But is Jesus Christ where we live in our home? Or do we visit him as a hotel room? Is it just kind of recreation where we don't cultivate that relationship and we don't build into it and we don't take care of it and we don't walk in it and we don't do the things day after day after day after day because it's where we stay. It's where we live. It's our life. Or is he our home? Our home. If you have your Bibles with you, I hope you do. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We are in John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Can somebody say amen? 
They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now, I didn't say commit sin. It said practices sin. Practices. You know what you do when you practice? It means you do it over and over and over and over, and you try to get good at it. Not someone who sins, but practices sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I, what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Did you hear that? I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you've heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You were doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And you, your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar. Somebody hear that today. Somebody hear that today. The devil is a liar. See, I got excited and lost my place. And the father of lies, but because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God, here's the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. God, can you say amen? amen? You may be seated. I've had some really powerful conversations where I've been trying to minister to somebody, and they want to hear my advice. They want to hear what I have to say. They want to hear, well, what do you think? Well, what, what do you think? What should I do? What do you think? And immediately, when I begin to say Scripture, they go, no, 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 no. Don't quote Scripture at me. I don't want to hear that. And I go, what are you talking about? Nothing I have to say is going to help you. Nothing that I have to say to you is going to help you in any way. But let me refer you to the truth. And the truth will set you free. But if you're not of God, the things of God are repulsive to you. 
Because they, they're wanting to pull something out of you that, that's foreign from you. There's a, a, a spirit. There's something in you that's at work. There's a lie that has taken hold and taken root that is living and breathing and being cultivated and watered and grown in you. And whenever you try to take some weed out of Scripture and get rid of it, he goes, no, 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 no. We don't want that. We like it here. We like it here. Don't, that'll get rid of us. That will set him free. And it's repulsive. See, if you're not of God, the things of God are hard, right? They're, 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 they're unnatural. And we're going to talk about that more in just a minute. All week while I was preparing for this sermon, man, I, I had one line from God that was just hammering me in the head. And it was that misery loves, misery loves company. Misery loves company. But it's not just misery, it's miserable people. You see, misery is easier to bear if someone else is miserable around you. And if you don't believe me, everyone reach in your pocket, pull out your phone, and begin to scroll any social media that you would like to. Misery loves company. But I was like, man, where does that come from? What's the origin of that? It's from a, a play in the 16th century called Dr. Faustus. Anybody remember this play? Just me? All right, cool. I'll give you a more connected uh, a reference to this. We talked about Tombstone a couple weeks ago, right? Oh, everybody's like, yeah, Tombstone. Yeah, I know that one. Y'all know the play that they were watching in the saloon? They were doing Dr. Faustus. That's the play. All right, now, you, now you're ready? Dr. Faustus is about Dr. Faustus trying to sell his soul to the devil for 24 years of his desires. If he could have 24 years, not even a lifetime. Mephistopheles, a, a worker of the devil, comes to Faustus and tries to make a pact with him. And says, if you, 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 you give us your soul for 24 years, you can have anything you want to. Anything you want to. And he tells him that he's miserable. But misery loves company. Misery loves company. See, if you're not free, if you don't have freedom, then you're trying to bring other people that have similar references, similar issues, similar struggles. You know what? I, I, I have this thing in me that I, I struggle with, but I, instead of going somewhere to get rid of it, to, to, to be away from the things that, that I struggle with, I'm running to them. I'm running to them, trying to get to them as quick as I can sin as possible. That's what happens when you're miserable, when you don't have the truth, when you don't know the truth. And let me tell you, the truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. So if you do not know the truth, and I mean know him, then you cannot be free. You can't be free. You don't have that freedom living inside you, right? Instead, you're repulsed of the things of God. They're, they're repulsive to you. You try to you bounce away from them. You're, you, you try to run away from them. The fastest thing in the world is a toddler who has something they're not supposed to have. I have seen my two-year-old son have something, be walking, and I go, Sam. And he's gone. He knows he's not supposed to have it. 
And instead of running to me and letting me take it from him, he's running as fast as he can, trying to get it in his mouth if he can. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Thank you. I was worried about my son there for a minute. Y'all were looking at me like, no, my kids are angels. They don't do that. When I say no, they just hand it to me. These immature children of us, when we're called out on something we're not supposed to have, we react as children. And instead of going, when we are immature, instead of going, God, here, we turn and run. We turn and run from God and bring our shame and our guilt with us. Turn our back and run because we're not free we're caught up in that sin. We're caught up in that, that pleasure. Faustus sold his soul to the devil, his eternity, so that he could just have 24 years, just a moment, just a moment to where he could sin and do whatever he wanted to. 24 years versus eternity. But not just freedom for us. We have stopped seeing the beauty and freedom of each person. Somewhere along the lines, we have stopped viewing people as someone that Jesus Christ died for. We stopped looking at them. We think that Christ only died for us. He, he set me free. I don't know about you other heathens. Oh, I can't believe you. Uh, comment that. That's biblical. That's biblical. Just before this, they gathered an adulterous woman in the square. They posted about her on social media. And they said, throw rocks at her. Let's all throw comments at her. Let's kill her and break her down. Jesus said, as he drew in the dirt, let the first one that is sinless cast the first stone. Go ahead. I'll wait. I'll wait. Comment. First one to comment on this. Go ahead. I'll wait. Nobody? Oh, I guess this one should just remain commentless. We've stopped viewing the freedom that is for each person, trying to bring them into the freedom as well as opposed to kicking them away from it. Because we're not in love with the bondage. We're not in love with being tied down. They're in love with the sin, the pleasure, the pleasure of it, not the, not the bondage. Nobody stays in that bondage because they like being bonded. No, you, you stay because you get comfortable in that sin. It's what you end up knowing. And then you know that instead of knowing Jesus. Know Jesus, know peace. Amen? Do we live in the freedom? Do we live in it? Does it, does it? Is it soaked in us? Is it, is it everything that we do? Is it everything that we say? Is it everywhere we go? Is it, is it just permeating and radiating off of us the freedom of love of God? You know, in the early church, they didn't call them Christians until Antioch. What did they call them? They called them followers of the way. Followers of the way. Persecute the followers of the way. Because they were, there was a way about them. They loved people. They, they walked in freedom. There was just this way 
about people. And, and somewhere, somehow, we forget to have that way about us. We're no longer walking in the freedom, but walking ready to accuse, walking ready to defend, walking ready to fight. We have to have that way. Not just do the talk, but do the walk. Do the hands and feet. Do the service. Do the love. Do the prayer. Do the worship. Do the study. Do it all. Because we're free to do it. We're free to do it. It's not... It's not because you're, you're pinned down in another type of bondage. No, it's because he loved you enough to allow you to choose the world or choose him. That's how much he loves you. He loves you enough to allow you to choose. You can have eternal life with me or you can have eternal separation. The choice is yours. And so I ask you today, do you know him? Do you know him? Not know of him, know about him, but know him. Is he where you live? Is he where you stay? Or do you have to get back in that mindset? Do you have to get back in that Christian way, that way, that way? Do you have to, do you have to get yourself there? Do you have to motivate yourself to pray, motivate yourself to read, motivate yourself to go to church? Or is it just who you are? Because he has set you free, and whom he sets free is free indeed. It says that if you are practicers of sin, then you're a slave to sin. If you're practicing sin, then you're a slave to sin. I, I wish I was further along in my walk. I do. I do. I do, and, and I always will. I'll never be satisfied with where I am. There's things that I've brought to the cross and laid down and picked up and laid down and picked up and laid down and picked up and laid it down. And every time, every time, Christ has been right there going, I've got it. I've got it. Don't pick it up again. I got it. I've got it. You don't have to. But if you do, I'll be right here because I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm right here. But you don't have to do that anymore because you've been set free. You're free of those things. You're free of those things today. So whatever it is that you've brought to the cross and you've laid down and you thought, man, this is really it this time. I can feel it. I'm done with that ha ha oh lay it down today right now because I'm telling you I'm looking at you telling you you're not alone you're not the only one that's picked it up and laid it down and picked it up and laid it down and felt bad about it you're not the only one but you can be the one today that comes up and says, I am free, lays it down at the foot of the cross, and walks and lives in Jesus Christ for the rest of your days. That can be you. And it can be you today. I'm telling you. It's not going to feel natural, though. It's not going to feel natural. But how could we expect it to? Hear me, hear me. Supernatural things 
don't feel natural. Supernatural things don't feel natural. When the Holy Spirit tells you, hey, I know you don't know that person, but go talk to them and pray with them. You're going to be like, uh, huh? That's awkward, God. I, that's not natural for me. I'm not comfortable with that. And the Holy Spirit goes, and? Go! When you see people healed, when you see people give their lives over, when you see things happen in the supernatural, it's never going to feel natural. It will never feel like, oh, this is just a normal thing. I'm just going to completely watch this person change their life. I'm just going to have a, a witness a wreck in my life, come up, find out that this woman that had just got in a wreck is pregnant, pray over her, doctors tell them she loses the baby, and I continue to pray, and then later on they call me and say, hey, you want to hold this kid that every doctor in town said was died? It won't feel natural. That's a real thing. I got several doctors told this woman that her baby had died. She had lost her baby, and I got to look at that baby in the eyes and hold her. And hold her. That ain't natural. That's super natural. And I'm telling you, when you get called to pray, when you get called to call someone, when you get called to, to go and do something out of your comfort zone, or you get called and convicted to, to lay something down at the foot of the cross and you're not comfortable coming up here and praying, or you're not comfortable telling somebody, or you're not comfortable reaching out for help, you're not comfortable with these things, that's because it's supernatural. It's not going to feel natural. It's not going to feel just like a normal thing. I woke up, I brushed my teeth, I rebuked a demon. No big deal. No. No, there's things that are super, supernatural. And being set free by the blood of Christ is one of those supernatural things. Supernatural. It won't feel good when the Holy Spirit... It won't feel natural. It won't feel normal when the Holy Spirit just drops down on you and convicts you and shows you all the things of your life that you need to lay down. It won't feel normal. But after you do, it'll feel good. It'll feel better and more free than you ever had, ever. Can somebody say amen? We've got to get back to living in Christ, whether we are full-time believers we have been for 30 years, and we're, we, we've just kind of started doing the timeshare thing where we go visit Jesus, or are we 30-year Christians who live and cultivate and put those fake flowers up in our home and put those candles up and put those things up so that we can cultivate that relationship, build that home up. That way we can bring people over for dinner and say, look at the relationship that I have with Christ. I want it for you. I want it for you. It's free. It's free. He paid the price for your freedom, and it's not for sale. My freedom is not for sale. I'm not going to make a, a deal for 24 years. I'm not going to make a, a, a deal for 24 hours. I'm not going to make a deal for 24 minutes. I'm not going to make a deal that says you can have a moment of what Jesus died for, for you. That's between me and him. 
Everything I do now glorifies him. Everything. I had a, a, in high school, one of my high school job was a radio DJ. I had a radio show when I was in high school. Don't laugh. 106.7 Star FM. Y'all, obviously that's why I don't have a radio show anymore. I was BMO, top eight at eight. Call in. Right? And I would give away these things, and I would have people call in, and I would say, tickets to Six Flags, call in now, get your tickets. And no one would call. No one. I would have these awesome prizes, these awesome things to give away for free. Be the eighth caller, and you can win them. All right, be the sixth caller. All right, somebody please call. I, I just, I'll give it to you. And I had to call my friends and say, hey, will you call so I can give these to someone? And it blew my mind. But then I thought just tickets to Six Flags or a, a DVD player or a, an iPod or all these things that I could not give away for free. Little bitty, I mean, in, in, in the grand scope of things, it's nothing. Nobody wanted it. And now I'm up here trying as best as I can to the people here, people online, people in my life, people that I see, that I'm trying to tell them I have a free gift, and it's the truth of Christ, and I'm ready to give it to you. I'm ready to hand it over, and you will have eternity, eternity right there that you can have with God. And no one takes it. No one wants it. But then, Someone does. Because I get intentional about who I'm giving it to. And I call those people. And I say, hey, will you call in so I can give this to you? And I meet them for lunch and I talk to them and I go for it and I cultivate a relationship and I build up the, the relationship that I have with them and I give them the truth and I introduce them to the truth and I let them know and then I can see people's lives change dramatically, radically, supernaturally from what it was of bondage and slavery, of practicing sin to freedom. Freedom. And he that is set free is free. Indeed. I want to read some more scripture to you. Because once we taste that freedom, why would we ever go back? Why would we ever go back? It's Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Everyone. Everyone. Not those that vote right. Not those that agree with my opinions on this or that. Everyone, everyone, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. 
Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Don't pay money. Don't pay time. Don't use your resources for things that will never ever, ever satisfy you. They won't. When you try it and it fails, and you try it again and it fails, and you try it again, guess what? It's going to fail. That life of going after the things, the deal that you try to make where you're negotiating, well, if I do a little bit of this, then I'll go to church here, and if I do this, then I'll serve, uh, then... uh, No. Freedom. Freedom. What is it Braveheart says? You can have our lives, but you'll never take our freedom. Instead, God, you can have my life, and you can have my freedom. It's here, and I want to live in this moment. There's these moments of my life to where I'm just like right here. I don't ever want to see or do anything else. I just want to stay in this moment forever. I just want to look at my kids. I want to, see, I want to hear that laughter. I want to hear my, my baby boys laugh. I want to hear those moments where my wife and my kids are all just laughing and enjoying each other and in our home in love. I just want to take that moment and go right here. I don't ever want anything else. And then I experience the love of Jesus. And I go, no, 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 no. Right here. Right here. I don't ever want anything else. I just want to experience the freedom and love of God in this moment. Don't want anything else ever. I want to live in this. And so I'm asking you today if you have the freedom of God, if you have the freedom of Christ, if you know Jesus and you have that freedom, don't leave it. Live in it. Live in it. Live in that freedom. Live in it. Decorate it. Do whatever you can with it. Cultivate it. Put some dollar store fake flowers in it. Do whatever you can, but build it up to where you can say, this is where I live. This is my home, and I'm not going anywhere. I live and breathe and abide in the relationship with Jesus Christ, my God. I don't just visit it. It's where I stay. And if you don't have that, if you don't have that and you say, you know what, I have never been there. I've never tasted that freedom. I've never, I've never experienced that. Hear me. Hear me. If you've never tasted and seen that the Lord is good today, today, don't waste another moment. Don't waste another second. Because followers of the way 
say amen if following Jesus and being set free was the greatest decision you ever made. So if you've never had that experience, if you've never had that experience, I, I, I just want to tell you, doing something supernatural, it's not going to feel natural. Saying, you know what, God, I'm, I'm a sinner. And I need to repent of those things, and I need to, I need to turn away of those things, and, and I want just you in my life. I want to live in the freedom of Christ. Doing that will not feel natural. Supernatural things never feel natural. But it's because they're worth it. They're worth it. They're worth it. It's worth it to follow Christ. It's worth it to sacrifice everything else. It's worth it to say, I don't want that life anymore. It's worth it to say, I don't want those people in my life anymore. It's worth it to say, that high's not going to last. That hunger's not going to last. That person's not going to last. The only thing that is everlasting is the everlasting covenant that God himself made full with the blood of his son. That's the only thing that will be everlasting. And this supernatural gift of freedom is available for you. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that he that knew no sin became sin. Your sin. The sins you've done, the sins you're doing, the sins you're going to do. He became those so that we could share in His righteousness. The debt that you owe is paid. It's paid in full. The best way that I've ever been able to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ was a moment we were, I was going to eat lunch with two of my friends and I was explaining to one of them how Jesus could set you free and what that means and my other friend had to get up and leave and he went and paid and, and he left and we're walking up to pay and I'm explaining the gospel and I'm explaining and I'm explaining it and we turn to pay and the cashier goes no he he already paid for all of you and I was just like like that like that that's what Jesus did he went ahead and he put it down what you owed and he paid for it with every lash, with every whip, with every insult, with every bit of spit, with every drop of blood that was in his body. It was poured out and it was poured out for you. He paid for it so that you could receive it and so that you could say, I know him. I know him. And I'm free.